The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? to the two-man power trip of wrestling i am your host jp john paz and with me is my protege and fellow co-host for today dko the dublin destroyer Derek o'reilly Derek, how are you doing today not too bad guys how are you doing i'm doing good and we have a, a very special guest a man returning to the show believe it or not for the third time mr ProWrestling.net. He is a pro wrestling journalist. He's a pro wrestling podcaster. He, of course, is the owner of ProWrestling.net and editor, Mr. Jason Powell. Jason, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, great. It is a Friday as we're talking, and uh, the sun is shining, and I only have two pay-per-views to cover this week. Uh, wait. So, yeah, that, that part is a bit much. A doubleheader on Sunday is going to be a bit crazy, but uh, otherwise doing good, man. Good stuff. You got uh, Back for the Attack and Fastlane, right? Yeah, and they overlap kind of with the kickoff show at least. I'm telling you, if the NWA show goes even a minute over <laughs> into the pay-per-view, I'm out. I just like to <laughs> tell people I'll cover it later. I feel like it was a weird kind of, I don't know, timing of the NWA. Sunday, first of all, 4 p.m., Second of all, third of all, there's a WWE pay-per-view day. Kind of a weird choice. So I, my understanding is that they had the date booked, and then WWE changed their date or something. I don't know why they didn't try to, and maybe they did. You'd think they'd try to move to a Saturday or something. I, but I, I overall, I, I know we're kind of probably going somewhere you didn't intend to go, but I, I don't get their rollout. We're back. We want you to pay nineteen ninety nine to see our first show. No build up, no show leading up to it. Just pay for the pay per view on a Sunday afternoon, and there's the other pay per view that you get that same night. It, it's a very strange approach that they're taking. I I don't know. I was very confused by it as well. It was like almost like wow, they're back, and oh my god, they're back in two weeks. And then like just follow social media, and we're going to announce a bunch of matches. And we had literally just spoken to. Aaron Stevens, and he didn't even know that he was going to be in the main event. Or anyway, he let on that he didn't he didn't know he was going to be in the main event. It was just interesting. It was like no big buildup. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. I, I guess I, it just feels like everything's kind of being thrown together last minute. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope they have a good show. But I, I guess it's not so much the pay-per-view that worries me about them. It's it's the the power shows that follow. 
the pay-per-view, you know, you, you can put your matches out there. Nobody's expecting you to do much more than a straightforward wrestling show. And so I think from that standpoint, it'll be fine. It's those power shows. If they're unprepared, I think it's going to show there. It's one of those weird things where it's like, okay, they're back, but now they're going to be strictly on fight TV. So now you're going to have to pay for it all the time. I don't know if that's going to be success right away, especially if they're kind of just almost like throwing your face real quick, like bye, 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 bye. I don't know if that's a good technique to sell. Yeah, it's I, I would have done the rollout very differently. I would have come back with at least a free go home show, kind of the re, the official return and, and try to sell people on the pay-per-view as well as let people know about the new subscription thing. I get it. You know, they I don't think they were making ends meet just doing a YouTube show. They have a, a actual deal with Fight TV that's paying them some money. And so I understand from that standpoint, but yeah, the rollout is uh, just underwhelming so far. I feel like, I don't know, like a little bit of a, uh, a misstep, a bit of a stumble uh, on this one. It's just one of those things where it's it's just, I don't know, it's weird to me. It's like, wow, that was quick. And whoa, it's this Sunday. Wow. And the NWA title is being defended. And that's the main event. And they're just kind of throwing the card together very, very quickly. And this is kind of a WrestleMania season. And Fastlane is Sunday. So I think a lot of attention is going to be more towards that pay-per-view. For sure. Let me ask you, did they reach out to you about Stevens? I'm guessing you reached out to him. No, I reached out to him. Yeah, I, they were so good in the past when it came to you know, seeking out any type of you know interviews or anything. They Just to help publicize what they were doing and sending out email thing, you know, just different uh, match announcements, whatever. Nothing. You know, nothing this time around. It's just followed their Twitter like everybody else and um, you know, I, again, I, I hope it goes well for them, but it just, it does seem like they're maybe understaffed, maybe unprepared. Well, I guess we'll find out Sunday. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. Cause originally, like if I, when their you know, power was going on, if I wanted Tim storm easily, you know, just get Tim storm, Joe Galley came on. Like it was very easy and smooth. And yeah. I don't know if they just, if, if Maureen or whoever was doing their, their, um, PR and putting things together, but you're right. Maybe they're understaffed or, you know, maybe they're just not ready for this return. Billy was just like, oh, let's just do it right now. Because Darren Stevens, it seemed like to me when we had him on, didn't know that he was in the main event because he could have possibly alluded to it or we could have built it up for him, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, so Marine has left. Dave Lagana left. Unfortunately, they lost Josephus, of course. So, I mean, those are three people who are doing a lot behind the scenes and, I just don't know who necessarily has stepped in to fill those roles if, if they're, and maybe they have people, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if they filled those slots and if they have, if they put people in there that are, that really know the ropes, I guess, you know, I, I will ask around. I, I believe Pat Kenny is working, AKA Simon Diamond is doing things on the business side, but I don't think he's you know going to be in charge of PR and that sort of a thing. Yes, I remember when I spoke to Nick Aldis, he was saying that Pat Kenny's going to be a big part of it, but how big of a part, and you know what what is his role exactly going to be, and do they have this big office? You know, like you said, a bunch of people are gone. Who are they going to have? Who's going to be the replacements? I feel like the card itself um, can be okay. I mean, Aldis versus Stevens could be good. Uh, they just got Chris Masters. They announced. Uh, they announced a couple other matches, so it, they could have the talent. It just seems like. They went about it the wrong way. And it's too soon. Yeah. You know, and they have Thunder Rosa Camille, which is interesting. I, I don't know how much Camille has worked. I mean, she was 
they did a good job of positioning her as just you know, the the monster of the of the women's division, and partly because she was pretty green. What has she done? You know, during the pandemic, you know, it, it's I just don't know how much she's been able to work. And but I mean, if anyone can get a good match out of her, it would be Thunder Rosa. And Thunder Rosa just had a great match on AEW against Britt Baker. I know there's been some differing opinions about what occurred in that match and seeing women bleed <laughs> uh, to me a, a little uh, too much uh, for me. I could have went without the blood and without the uh, thumbtacks, but overall good match. And, and overall those two have been kind of the standout performance for AEW's women's division. If I never see thumbtacks again, it would be too soon and, mm-hmm. and throw kendo sticks in there too. The kendo sticks are the most overused weapon in wrestling. They just drives me nuts. Every promotion that uses them, it, it just, they go overboard. The blood thing, I, I you can't tell somebody how they should feel. So I can't sit here and say, John, you should come on. They're women, and and, and they, they should be able to do this just like men, and you need to get over it. Um, I do feel like, hey, they can do it, but I can't tell you how you should feel about it is my point. So I, I And I think that's the thing. You're going to always run into people out there that say, if men can do it, so can women. But you can't really t- – that's, that's true. It, it is. But you can't tell someone how they should feel about it. I personally enjoyed the hell out of that match. I really did. It, it was uh, the best match on television this week by far. We'll see if anything with the two pay-per-views or SmackDown tops it. But I thought it was one of the most memorable Dynamite main events they've had to date. My only uh, problem with it, you wouldn't know it going into it the way they, I mean, they, they kind of let word leak that it was a good match, but just watching the show itself, where was the build to this? You know, they, did they have a video package? I don't even remember. I don't think we heard from anyone. It was just kind of presented as another match on the show. And the frustrating part is they knew, you know, this was taped six days earlier. They knew how good this was. How do you not? Even if you weren't planning to go back and make a huge fuss over that, just selling people on, hey, you know, this is a uh, this is special, and really, really make a big fuss too out of the women headlining a show. That's not something we see every day on Dynamite. It was a good match, and I liked it, and it's probably I liked it because it was kind of like old school. It wasn't like the typical false finish like we saw earlier in the night with Cody and and Pentagon false finish false finish false finish false finish this was kind of like an old school slow down storytelling psychology it was good it, like maybe thumbtacks let's do without maybe kendo sticks maybe do without the blood i guess could be here or there depending on who you are but it's one of those things where uh, i actually preferred the female the main event over the first match of the night i did too i i really enjoyed the first match until that finish i didn't understand it, with Cody having every out in the world, you know, everybody knows he's got a rotator cuff injury. And if you, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but certainly on the show, if you're just like casually watching the show, you know, they're selling that he has this arm problem. And so Penta does his arm snap bit, which we've seen others, you know, sell like their, their arm is falling off. Cody just gets up and rolls him up. Like, what is that? I, I felt like it was, a throwback to watching Cody's dad during his overbooking himself days at the end of his run as a booker. He does some great things as a booker. Don't get me wrong, but he definitely had that stretch where he just didn't want to give up being the top guy clearly. And I'm not accusing Cody of that because I don't think he's got final say over what he does. That would be a Tony Khan decision, but it really did feel like that was a spot to put Penta over. Definitely weird considering 
he is injured and may miss some time is what I keep hearing. And that he may, you know, maybe he has to have surgery or maybe um, extensive rehab on that shoulder would be kind of the perfect spot to put Penta over. Oh yeah. But he beat him up after the match. Yeah. But even that was convoluted and, and really bad and wasn't done correctly. And overshadowed but as they cram something else in. I enjoy dynamite, but there are flaws. And one of them is they just can't help themselves when it comes to shoving too much into these segments. Did we really need the QT Marshall thing to overshadow Cody and Penta at the end? Come on. So dumb and kind of horribly acted too, <laughs> from my point of view, just the way it was done. I was like, Oh, that was bad. But uh, DKO, what do you got? Well, Jason, I'm, would I be right in assuming that you watched AEW revolution? Of course, yep. Okay, I'd love to know what you thought of that as a whole. So, uh, you have to, I mean, you, you can't just ignore the pyroblast that wasn't a blast at the end. Um, but overall, I enjoyed the pay-per-view. I, I thought the main event went as well as it could have. And let's keep in mind, the finish did occur before the, you know, the would-be pyro that malfunctioned, clearly. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed the event. I enjoyed the main event. And, and I thought, like, they had the best version of the exploding landmine of Doom match, whatever you want to call it, um, th- that I have seen. There may be, you know, I haven't seen all of them. I've seen some, and most of them come with the disappointing pyro. <laughs> and that's what, you know, with them being such students of the game and obviously knowing full well that some of these other matches have had issues with that. I couldn't believe they didn't have an audible plan. Like if hey, just in case that we think everything's going to go well, but if it doesn't, here's what we do. And you could tell, Oh no, they had no plan. And I mean, Tony Khan wouldn't even acknowledge that things didn't go well on the post media show. It's just, I'm still like, Tony, can you just admit something once in a while? It, it's not that difficult. I don't understand it, Jason, because I would have assumed that being a little bit more humble kind of kind of comes across better to the fans. And, you know, when you can just acknowledge, look, it didn't go how how we planned, but we'll get it right next time. And then trying to blame it on somebody else. I mean, is that not going to cause some dissension in the ranks? I, th- you know, I think it, it makes him, it makes it easier for his critics to go at him for sure. But more importantly, I, I think that even the the fans want AEW to be different. I had somebody ask me like, "Why the double standard? Why do you know? Why does Tony Khan get? Um, or why does you know? You get, don't go after Vince McMahon, but you go after Tony Khan. It's like oh BS. You know, number one, um, everybody's gone after Vince McMahon for a million things over the years, but fans wanted AEW to be different, and it is in a lot of ways. But when it comes to the company side of things, you know, we've seen some moments where it was they could have stepped up and and took an opposite approach and been more fan friendly. And like you say, I mean, just a simple acknowledgement that things didn't go well. You don't have to, um, you don't have to go overboard with it, but just be a little self-deprecating and admit like, Hey, this didn't go as planned, but we, we thought we had a great pay-per-view until then. Nobody's as disappointed as I am. And you move on. People are going to forgive and forget, but when you can't admit fault, then I think people start to wonder, like, is this a character flaw? Well, you know, what what is it? We've seen this with some of their medical issues, you know, different to people who've been injured, and they don't, the Matt Hardy one, uh, the Alex Reynolds one, just be forthcoming. You know, and anyone who's going, well, the HIPAA, HIPAA laws, HIPAA laws. Look, 
you know, in most cases, the wrestlers are going to say, yeah, go ahead. So that's not a valid excuse in most cases. And so in either way, you don't have to lie about it. I mean, they, they the, the Reynolds one was bizarre. He was clearly out. Then they made it seem like he wasn't. He even went so far as to kind of make it seem like everything went according to plan. And then his own tag team partner went out there and talked about how he was out cold in the ring. Like, guys, just be honest. I don't really understand the overall attitude within the company, Jason. You have so many, you have so much experience there between some of the wrestlers. And then you have the likes of Tully Blanchard, Aaron Anderson backstage. There are so many things they can iron out and yet they just don't. And it's kind of concerning, but it's also, it. I have to ask the question, what is their goal? I mean, they haven't increased their audience they don't really seem to be trying to do so what where do you stand on all of that so i I think they are trying i I, I would disagree with that i think the effort is always there i think they would point to the success of this pay-per-view as far as uh, the the buy rate is concerned the number of buys all in all early indications are that it was way up and i think it had a lot to do with the gimmick main event you know you can point to some other things on the show but i think it really came down to interest in that and so I think the effort is there. I think you will see growth if and when WWE moves NXT to Tuesday nights, and you'll see some growth on Wednesdays. How much remains to be seen. I think you know, they would also point to the pandemic, not having fans present, all these things that everybody can point to. I think there's reasons that we haven't seen some growth, but I also feel like you, know, you don't give them a free pass on everything. You know, they, they could be further along than they are. They have made some mistakes that... They just don't seem quick to acknowledge. Um, there's, but I mean, they're, they're, I don't want to bury them because they're doing a lot of good things too. So you know, when you're going head to head with an NXT, you're not going against the A game that WWE can bring. As I keep pointing out, like I, I feel for Paul Levesque in, in a way because the deck is stacked against him in this battle. In, in normal times, AEW is running arenas. He's at Full Sail University. If if Shaq is, uh, is coming in for either company, well, if he's in AEW, of course, he's going to be on Dynamite. If he comes into WWE, you know, or any celebrity for that matter, they're not going to NXT if they're a meaningful celebrity. They're going to go to the main roster. You know, They're going to do Raw or SmackDown. It's just the way it is. Um, so, I mean, but still, you're going against uh, a WWE show. You're beating it in the ratings consistently, almost week in and week out. Uh, so, I mean, there's some they're doing some good things, it, but I think they just need to clean some things up. And, and and I think in time, when you do start getting fans back in the venues and, and when they do get to run unopposed, you'll see the numbers go up. And, and I guess the big question is just how much? And, and I mean, NXT is facing the same questions. If they get their own night, obviously they'll gain something. How much? That is very much the question, and I do believe they are still having audio issues. Is that correct? Who's that? AEW. Audio. It, well, so the T. It was a TNT thing. Is that what you're talking about? That uh, oh, the Ethan Page match. Um. Uh, yes, I'd heard there was still some issues in general because the first six weeks, I believe, of Dynamite, there was. At least the first six weeks, they were having a few audio issues. Mm-hmm. I heard some reporting that they're still having some issues. Is that is that correct, or am I off on that? 
So they definitely did during that Ethan Page debut match on Dynamite, and it everything pointed to that being a TNT issue because people who were watching internationally on Fight TV didn't have that same problem occur. The replay, the audio was cleaned up. It, it sounded like, I, I don't know how this would happen. I, that's another one. Just explain what happened. It's fine. Um, but it just seemed like TNT, for some reason, was including audio from an NBA game, not of the commentators, but just the sounds of the game. Like you would hear commotion and you'd hear like a, a shot clock buzzer or something like that going off. And it, it was one match. They cleaned it up. But yeah, I mean, it just out of curiosity, if nothing else, it'd be kind of fun to know what happened. You know, was it TNT? And if so, what the heck did they do? Just you know, a little thing. And, and Tony Khan was quick to at least address that there was an issue on Twitter and they did put out that match cleaned up. So, yeah, I mean, there's still some hiccups. You got to remember one thing about this, what they, the people they brought in to do production for better or worse, most of them came from impact wrestling or WCW, you know, and there's some exceptions there, but I was never blown away by Impact's production, um, for one thing. doesn't mean they didn't bring in some good people. But, yeah, it, it, I remember when I started hearing some of the names they were bringing in. It was like, that's really going back a ways here. I'm, I'm kind of, yes, they, they know their way around you know, producing a wrestling show, but kind of surprised they don't have some bright young minds that kind of mesh with what they're going with with the actual product. Yeah, I was scrolling through Facebook the other day, and see, I haven't been watching any of the products in the last couple of years i admit i did watch revolution because i asked jp if he myself and pj polanco could do a review of that show and he did so i was actually a little bit interested from i now have to call myself a casual fan because i've stopped watching but from the perspective of the card i saw and because i saw the main event as a death match i just kind of I kind of thought to myself, I want to look at this because we're very limited over here at the minute. There's there's very little to do. And the smallest of things at the minute is kind of grabbing my attention just to just for distraction and hopefully a bit of entertainment. And I watched the whole show and I just thought it was a little bit a little bit blah, to be honest, Jason. But at sure. the same time, the the cinematic match between Sting Darby Allen against Team Taz was interesting. It was something different. It, it wasn't quite what I expected. And what I was going to ask you was, since you have fans back, some fans in the arena, would you have had that match in the building? So even though they can protect Sting really well in the cinematic match, I feel there there are also things they could have done in the arena too. Just because you know it's Sting's first match back, and you have the crowd there, and it's kind of a a good feel moment if you agree with that and then Darby Allen is kind of crazy in some of the spots that he was doing so I um, was kind of taken aback that it wasn't in the arena how do you feel about that you see that's the issue is to me if you want to do a cinematic match hey, they're not most of them aren't for me I, I just prefer straight up standard pro wrestling but there is an audience for it as I hear every time I complain about one, I'll start hearing from people who really like them. And that's fine. Uh, you know, to each his own on something like that. But the, the mistake that was made that I don't think they got enough heat over is this was labeled a street fight. We've all seen street fights, street fights in wrestling 
typically play, take place in the usual setting, the same setting as every other match. They may spill backstage or whatever. Hell, I, I live in Minnesota, and, and I remember one of the street fights actually spilled onto the street for a WWE pay-per-view when they brawled across the street of Target Center to a bar. That's fine. But when you say street fight, that's not telling people this is a cinematic. There was not a street involved unless you count them driving to the venue. Just tell people it's an empty warehouse, Matt. You know, come up with a, a catchier name than that. Um, but let people know that it's a cinematic in some way. When you tell them street fight, they have every reason to think that this thing is going to be in the ring. It may they may leave, but it's going to start in the ring. You were going to see these people in person. And, and yeah, I mean, I can see if you're buying a ticket to Daly's place to see this show, we totally get being disappointed. And for that matter, if you're a fan who ordered the pay-per-view, thinking you were going to see a standard match and you got a cinematic and that's not your thing, you have every right to be disappointed. And had they just told everybody up front, given some clue through the name of the thing that, hey, this is taking place somewhere else, then I think people, you know, at least you know what you're getting. I, I don't know why. And they're still talking about it was the greatest street fight ever. It's like, that wasn't a street fight. It was something else, which is okay, but tell people what's coming. Yeah, I I remember I messaged JP as soon as the match came on because I just said, Oh, hold on, this is a, a cinematic match. This is this is kind of stupid. And, and that's because it wasn't what I was expecting. I always think, you know, perception is reality, Jason. I think you should be preparing people for what's coming unless you have some sort of special surprise and I don't consider that to be a special surprise so people in the arena would have been expecting to see Sting I know if I had been in that area I would have probably gone to that because I have a look at the card and I think okay well we're kind of limited in what we can go to at the minute so maybe this is a good night's good night's fun you know and you're not you want to try and retain as many people as possible for your next pay-per-view and you want to give people a reason to watch Dynamite on Wednesday. And I just don't really think they did that at this, at that pay-per-view. What do you think? I know you enjoyed the show, but do you think they did a good job of trying to retain any casual viewers that might have chimed in for that event? Or They must not have, based on the numbers they did coming out of the show. You know, I think that really tells the tale. I expected better numbers for the, you know, the fallout. And, and I thought there might even... the. the in a weird way, I thought that the explosion being such a dud at the end of the night might have worked to their advantage where you get people tuning in to see, all right, what what happened? What are they going to say about this? And then you had the addition of Christian Cage, and none of it really led to bigger numbers. And And I think there was a South Park special on that did kind of crush them in the demo um, that they're shooting for, the 18 to 49. But still... You know, it, it's you're always going to have some kind of competition, and it, it was disappointing. So, even though I enjoyed the show, you know, I think the numbers point to no, that they, they didn't do enough. And I also saw a link on Facebook, Jason, for the match between for the match between Britt Baker and who else was it, guys? Sorry, I don't. Um, the non-sanctioned match was it on Dynamite on Wednesday? Thunder Rosa. Rosa, okay, because I saw a link for that and I saw the highlights. I'm not I'm not totally sure. Is that just is that kind of taking advantage of those two guys in a sense of just having that match for the sake of having it? Or do you think it was a good idea? 
I think it was fine that they did it. I think they could have told the story or recapped the story better. Go ahead and give us that video package. It really reminds us that this isn't just something that's happening out of the blue, that they've had issues. And this is kind of the uh, the final showdown, if you will, even if it's not, you know, I mean, it, but it, you can kind of frame it as it's all led to this moment. And, and I just, that's what I was talking about earlier. The presentation of this left a lot to be desired. What do you think, JP? Uh, pretty much the same thing. I wish there was more of a buildup for it. I know if you're going to have like this crazy match, this blood feud, I would prefer a, a big, long bill with a nice little video package to remind me of everything. WB seems to do that very well. Uh, AEW yes. does, does not. I feel like AEW, I don't know if it could be the production team. It could be Tony Khan. Um, but what I would do, and, and Jason, I don't know if you correct me if I'm wrong here, but what I would do is shorten up all the matches like Cody Rhodes and, and Penta, I think went 16 minutes. I mean, maybe shave it and go 14 and then have a video package for the main event and so on and so forth. I feel like a lot of the match times could be shaved and you could use that time better promoting some of the talent. I'm really hoping if they do get Wednesday to themselves that they're going to pull back. They're not going to try to cram as much as they do into these shows. I know they pay very close attention to the minute by minute ratings, and I I, I think they're worth ex, ex, you know studying and and paying attention to. But I think we've seen people in the industry get a little too crazy when it comes to the minute by minutes and what's happening. And I I just think produce the best show you can you don't need to overstuff everything. You don't need to, I mean, it, I cover that show. Uh, normally Jake Barnett's covering it for the site, but if he needs a night off, I cover it. There's not a, I, I can't think of a more difficult thing to cover than dynamite on a weekly basis because it's so frantic and they just don't let things breathe. And I know they have a lot of wrestlers that's on them. You know, if, if that's the excuse, well, we have so many people we want to work in. Nobody told you to go sign a million people and i mean you're now they're doing dark and dark elevation and they're doing like 15 matches on each this week and it's like what what's the point of this i mean it's great that they're getting that the wrestlers are getting work but you know i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna have these two other shows and then still another one from tnt to go you should be able to spread things out and let dynamite slow down a little and, and let things breathe. Don't cram so many things in. Like I mentioned the QT Marshall thing earlier, and that's just one example of many. They, it's, it's, and again, I'm not trying to just crap all over Dynamite because I do enjoy the show, but like anything, I think there's room for improvement. I feel like to me anyway, it's like, okay, you have Dynamite, but apparently you have 87 wrestlers signed to a contract or whatever the crazy number is. WB has like 90 something and they have two shows plus the NXT. You know, they got all this stuff. I think WCW, when they had their biggest period of signing guys, I think they had 120 guys under contract. Something it like sounds that. But, right. Yeah. But WCW had uh, Nitro, Thunder, Saturday Night, Pro, Worldwide, you know, the main event, WCW Prime. I mean, the list goes on. They had eight, eight, TV shows and, and a bunch were in syndication, but they at least had the guys. Where, okay, they're all working on all these shows. It's pretty much Dynamite and YouTube for AEW, and they have eighty-seven guys or whatever it is. I mean, it's too many guys. I, I agree. I don't understand it. I don't. I, I think Dark was overkill to begin with, having fifteen matches that, for the most part, 
only a diehard fan would care about. And they can say, well, you don't have to watch it. You know, that if you're a hardcore fan, we're, we're catering to them. That's great. But don't you want people to, to be into your product? Don't you want to? And if you shorten things up and, you know, when they announced Elevation, I thought, okay, maybe this will be the show that it's it's one hour. There, I, I just saw this. The start time was 6 Central, 7 Eastern. And Raw's on an hour later. I'm like, okay, so they're going to do a Raw lead-in, basically. And maybe it will become that. But, boy, that first week was just overstuffed. And I, I just – I think it's overkill. And I think that you're taking a product in elevation that some people that are a little more on the casual side and maybe don't even – wouldn't even label them. So they're, they're wrestling fans. But, my God, there's so much wrestling content on television as it is that they're getting their fill in other places. If you give them a, a consistent one-hour show to watch on Monday nights before Raw, they might do it. But when you start loading it up to go two hours of mostly meaningless matches, it's too much. I, I'm sorry. And I know there's going to be some diehard fans that have to watch everything that would disagree with me, but they're the minority. You know, you you have them. They are already going to watch your show no matter what. Don't cater to them. And I know that, well, this is our developmental. Okay, I, I, I guess. I, you can have an actual dark match. You don't have to put everything out there on YouTube. So if you want to get a look at somebody, maybe take that approach rather than putting out way too much content and, and trying to get everybody on the card. I don't know why they went on this signing spree. I mean, they're, WWE did it, so I guess they feel the need to do it too, and, and they're looking to their future. I understand it to a point. But I, I, yeah, I just think they've gone overboard. I, I just think there's too much wrestling on right now. And when I was younger, you know, when I the Hulkamania years, there was a ton of wrestling on. And then Attitude Era, you know, when, usually there's a big boom period, and you start to get way too much content. We're not even in a boom period, and there is a ridiculous amount of wrestling on. I don't think I think it's good for the companies. Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with streaming battles. And, you know, they're just the, the quest for content, but this isn't a boom period. So if this leads to people getting burned out on the product and we're not even in a boom period, that's really bad. I feel like a lot of the guys, maybe some of your cohorts were saying this is going to be a, bo a boom period. It is definitely hundred percent, not seven sixty-eight was it last week and five ninety-seven. awful, uh, numbers, especially considering Christian Cage, the Hall of Fame worthy signing was supposed to, you know, help some of the ratings and pump it up. And he hasn't done anything. So it's like, man, it's all these signings. Even Paul White wasn't really a big signing if you look at it as far as number wise. So, I mean, is, is anything going to kind of uh, register with them? I know, like you're saying, like they got to go for more of the casual fans, but it doesn't seem like they're able to capture that audience. No. And, you know, again, I think they will get more looks once they get the night to themselves. It's great. But I, I think they need to do a much better job of framing their big surprises. Why did Big Show get announced when he did? There was no reason for it. Nobody was talking about you know, what's next for Big Show. Everybody was saying that Big Show's under contract to WWE. It's like they signed him and couldn't wait to tell everybody. So they just put it out in an email and killed any suspense or any hype you could have done around it. And yeah, I mean, it, you are pushing people to watch the show, but then he wasn't even on that show. Uh, I, I didn't get that. And then they go ridiculously overboard for Christian Cage. And it's, I mean, it's not the first time they've done this. 
I, I just think that somebody needs to sit Tony Khan down and say, save it for when it counts, man. You know, there, there was a way to promote Christian Cage, and, and I'm sure they got some extra pay-per-view buys because of overhyping it the way they did. But I think if you, the big thing to me is like, did he need, did you need that? You already had your pay-per-view sold, I think by and large on the big explosive match. And, and I really think that was a big part of the success. So why not deliver the pay-per-view as that you planned and have Christian come out as an, as a surprise out of nowhere um, have big show come out as a surprise out of nowhere on dynamite. Um, you know, and yes, you can, if like to me, if you would have hyped the, if it had been reversed, I think people would have been more accepting of Paul white being the big surprise, you know, hall of famer that's showing up Christian. And it's not to take anything away from the guy, but he's always been positioned as, you know, second to edge. And yes, he had a world championship reign and a never ending feud with Randy Orton. Um, but people just don't see him. I, I, you know, when you think about what was said, a hall of fame worthy wrestler, one of Tony Khan's favorites. Okay. It's true, but you have to understand how the average fan is going to hear that when they hear hall of fame worthy, one of Tony Khan's favorites, they're not thinking Christian in most cases. They're they're thinking Brock Lesnar or Batista. You know, they, you let their imaginations run wild, and then you deliver Christian. That's just a recipe for disappointment. And a few things there, which is so intriguing to me. So they announce Big Show out of nowhere, and they kind of blatantly say that he's a, a licensed wrestler, which almost made it seem like he wasn't going to be wrestling for them. And then they're like, and he's a YouTube announcer. So it's like, okay, strike one. That's kind of weird the way they did it and, and kind of announced it. Then bait and switch, they just put him on a little graphic on the bottom and they don't even have him on the show. So I'm like, okay, there's strike two. Then strike three, he comes out and his big announcement is not him wrestling. He's talking about the YouTube elevation show then he goes oh we're gonna have a big surprise signing so them signing him is him talking about a surprise signing who isn't as big of a signing as he is i was like what are they doing it's like oh my god mistake after mistake they just compounded the mistake uh it was so bad the way that was done it, it reminded me of tna you know just some of the mistakes that they've made when it, you know back in the day that they used to make with overhyping big announcements and you just tune in going, really? That's what Dixie thought was the greatest thing in the world. Like, calm down. And Tony Khan's smarter than that. That's why I don't know why they feel the need to overhype when it's just over-deliver. Don't overhype, over-deliver. And had, like I say, had there been no hype and Christian Cage had walked out on that pay-per-view, all right, maybe you've sold a few fewer, fewer pay-per-views, but people are going to be genuinely excited. They're going to come out of that show. And it may even change the reaction. Um, for anyone who was upset about the pyro going off at the end, some of them may have been able to rationalize it going, yeah, but man, you know, it was still a good show. They, I didn't expect to see Christian like that. I, I just, yeah, you, you need to avoid letting fan speculation run wild unless you're really delivering something special. You know, if you've got Dwayne Johnson or John Cena, well, then by all means, you know, shoot for the moon. But now, you know what? Even if they got one of them and, realistically is it going to happen no but even if they had one of them waiting in the wings as a, as a big surprise coming up what are they going to say hall of fame worthy and one of tony khan's favorite well we've been down that road 
Yes. Oh man, nothing but a letdown. I actually thought like, okay, if it's Kurt Angle, you know, even that yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll accept, you know, I'll accept Kurt. And it's funny, I have I was talking to Kurt that weekend. Um, it hasn't been released yet, but I did an interview with him, and I kind of you know asked him about that, and it was funny. He had no idea like what was going on. <laughs> so I was like, either he's the greatest actor in the world, or it's definitely not him. And he goes, actually, he goes, Shaquille O'Neal just texted me. I'm like, oh, what you know, what did what did Shaq say? And he's like, he's saying I should join a- AEW. And he goes, I'm not really that familiar with it. So it was funny. It was like he he didn't even know what was going on, but he would have been a better announcement than Christian. Yeah, I, I think. If he could actually wrestle a regular schedule, I would say yes. Believe me, I mean, he was a popular pick. I, I think most people kind of put two and two together by the time it came out, if you're paying close attention. I, I think some of it was because Kurt didn't Kurt start laying it on thick like he was going to be the guy on Twitter or something like that? And I think yeah. people just yep. looked at it and went, well, it's not yep. Kurt. So it's probably Christian unless they have something great planned. I, I mean, I think Christian is a really nice addition but you've set him up to be a disappointment. You know, that, that that's what they did by overhyping. Now fans feel a little disappointed. And instead of being really excited that, wow, what a great surprise. Now it's just, oh, it's Christian. And Christian kind of did the same exact thing when he debuted for TNA in 2006. Yep. Ma- makes a surprise debut. Everyone thought it was Jericho because remember, they were both free agents at the time and they were really teasing it. So everyone thought it was Jericho. Christian comes out like, okay, all right, that's decent. And they immediately put him in the world title picture. And he immediately, after winning a few matches, wins a world title. I don't think he's going to beat Omega, but he's immediately in the world title picture now. Well, he did say Wednesday that he knows he has to win some matches to get there. Um, I, I think, you know, when he picked up the title and looked at it, I think that led to all everyone going, oh, my gosh, they're thrusting him right into the title picture. But I was quick to point out that week that, like, well, you know, just because he picked it up doesn't mean it can't be a long-term build, like foreshadowing something for down the road. And so I don't know if that's what they had in mind or if they got enough backlash over it. You're going right to Christian? Come on. That maybe they changed their mind. Um, but yeah, if it's teasing you with, we're going to do this eventually, but he's going to have to win some matches and climb those rankings that seem to matter only when they want them to matter. Okay, fine. TKO, what do you think about the roster in AEW? <laughs> you know, when this all began, AEW, they were saying how they were going to be a bit different and it was going to be a real sports field, that type of thing. All they've really done when it comes down to it is take mostly what WWE no longer wants. And that's kind of, that has to be counterproductive to what they want to do or is it? Because if you're trying to separate yourselves, everything just seems the same at the moment. All wrestling just seems like wall-to-wall wrestling, match after match, with nothing different really happening, no great storylines. I have been told that Roman Reigns on SmackDown, that that work has been quite good. But apart from that, I believe that everything has been more or less the same. And I was going to ask Jason, actually, with AEW left to itself on Wednesday nights, and okay, they can claw back um, a chunk of the NXT audience because they're moving, but... Would you move AEW to Monday night to compete with Raw? Because I have been listening to the Raw and SmackDown review every week, and they have been saying that it's absolutely horrendous. So do you think it's a good time to try and go there and compete with them, or should they just stay with Wednesday? 
I think you stay on Wednesday. I, I think they have a, a night to themselves if NXT does move. They're trying to recreate the Monday Night Wars. I mean, they're certainly better suited to do that than what uh, TNA was when they made that brief and you know, miserable failure of an attempt to recreate the Monday Night Wars. But um, I, I think you're better off having your own night. I, I Yes, Raw is a terrible show most more often than not. Um, three hours is the worst thing that's happened to that show ever. And you can try to compete with it, but they won't do I'll tell you, this won't happen. Um, there's no way they're going to do that. Because, you know, unless they're just forced to do so, because Tony Khan doesn't want to compete with the NFL. You know, he's made that very clear. And if they can avoid it, you know, they they're going to. And with Monday Night Football, obviously being a thing for um, what, 16, 17 weeks out of the season, uh, they just won't go there. Yeah, it kind of uh, I kind of have the feeling that they may have already moved by now if they had any intentions of doing so. Because I really do think that they could just pick up there because Raw is so bad. If they if they worked on a few things, they could I actually think they could take on Raw, but as you say, it's not likely to ever happen. But- yeah, realistically, yeah, it just with the you know, unless unless the NFL decides they want to do Tuesday night football, I don't see it happening. On the flip side of the coin, Jason, how how do you think WWE is faring at the moment? Oh, man. Um, it, you know, they're building to WrestleMania, and, and I, I, it's weird because I, I sense that fans are underwhelmed so far. I mean, you know, we still have some hype to go. Uh, we have a pay-per-view this weekend, and then, you know, if there's any big, big surprise to announce, I would think it would come Monday or Friday then, coming out of the pay-per-view. I don't know that we're going to get one. And I think people are so used to them bringing back stars from the past that they feel a little underwhelmed that you're not getting Taker or Brock Lesnar or you know, Dwayne Johnson or insert whoever. And, and maybe they have a you know something up their sleeve. I, I don't expect it. For me, I kind of look at it like this is what we've been waiting for. And, and yeah, it may seem a little underwhelming right now. I mean, Edge is a returning guy, but he's, he's not just in for you know the one-off. He's not just here for Manny and he goes away. He's back, uh, albeit on a part-time schedule. So a little bit different than some of those other guys that came in just for Mania. Um, but when I say this is what we've been waiting for, I'm, I'm talking about those of us who've been like, you've got to quit relying on all these names from the past. And, and it's one thing to bring them in to elevate today's stars, your, your regulars. They don't do that. They, they rarely do that. They make their legends look like gods, and they do so at the expense of the current roster way too many times. So, I mean, if I, if I could trust them to say that, yeah, if you want to bring in a name from the past and you're going to do the right thing, cool, but they just don't do it often enough. And so this is what I've kind of been waiting for is that year where you get, this is our crew. You know, this is WrestleMania. And, you know, you're you're still gonna have all the pyro and everything else, but you're you're not getting Taker and those those other big names. But you're at the same time you get to spotlight your crew, your current roster. It, it's just they've they've put off doing this for so long that yeah, it's going to be a little underwhelming for some fans. But I think long term, it's the best thing they could do. What about as far as like? 
not having Lesnar on the show, yes, you're going to have Drew McIntyre, who, you know, arguably this is his time or he should be in the main event of Mania. But you got Lashley, who's the champion, who I don't think should lose right now. So then you, technically speaking, would have Drew losing and maybe you build him back up towards SummerSlam. But it's one of those things. It's like, okay, Lesnar, Lashley could have been the, the main event for WrestleMania. You know, maybe night one or night two. And then Reigns, Edge goes on the other night. What do you think about no Lesnar at all and this being Drew's time, but also could be Lashley's time? Yeah, I'm not complaining. You know, I, I, I'm just not. If, if they get Brock to come back for something on the show, so be it. If, but I, I'm fine with this. And, and I'll tell you, what you just said there about there's there's questions. You know, you don't go into this mania going slam dunk, Drew wins. Now, some fans are going to convince themselves, but I, I I just don't think it's a slam dunk. I don't. I think there is a chance that they want to keep that title on Lashley, like you said. Maybe do the rematch at SummerSlam, but they could just go with Drew. And so that mystery is there regarding the outcome, as long as they don't foreshadow and ruin it, as they've been known to do. I, I feel like there is still some sense of mystery. Are they going to tell the feel good? Are they going to cap off the feel good story of Edge returning by giving him a win? Or does Reigns keep the title? Do they add Daniel Bryan to that mix? Does it become a triple threat? So no matter what they settle in on, I think both title matches feel like they have a little more mystery than usual when it comes to the outcome, and that's a good thing. I don't worry so much about the title matches. It's the rest of the card. Um, I I like the addition of Omos, putting him in that, you know, his debut. I'm curious. You know, that's, I want to see what this guy can do. And, And so that's fun to me. But man, are they blowing it with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. And then, like, there's a lot, you know, there's obviously a lot to add to these lineups for the two nights. I'm guessing we'll get another Biggie and Apollo Crews match, and I'm fine with that. I look forward to that. But what else do they have that's really entertaining on a mid card level right now? What's really working for them? What feuds can you go with? And I don't know that they're going to be able to come up with anything that's going to feel. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there'll be something, but uh, when it comes to a lot of the undercard matches, I don't feel like they're really going to be able to come up with anything that's going to feel like they those matches just couldn't air on any pay-per-view. I don't know that they're going to feel WrestleMania special once you start getting more than a couple of matches away from the main event. Definitely doesn't seem like the undercard is going to be WrestleMania worthy. It, it just doesn't have that I hope, feeling. I hope we're wrong. Yep, because if you're going to do two nights, especially, so that means uh, they're going to have to have you know two basically sixteen matches. I would imagine eight and eight. So it's going to have some matches like I guess Seth Rollins and Cesaro. But does that really feel like it should be on Mania? It's interesting. Like I'm fine with that match, but Seth feels ice cold, and mm. Cesaro. My God, I want to be into Cesaro, and we can all point the finger and blame at Vince McMahon, of course, for not doing more with him over the years, but. I also listened to him cut a promo about espresso, comparing himself to espresso <laughs> on heading into his big elimination chamber match. Like, and hey, for all I know, they handed him this horrible promo to read. But you know, I I, I want to see Cesaro do well, but you know, there's it's not because he's too Swiss, as Vince famously said. But you know, there's there, the you know whether it's his promos or the presentation. Something's amiss there. They can have a hell of a match, but it's yeah, it, it you get a lot of work to do to make that feel WrestleMania special between you know between now and the tenth and eleventh. 
and the thing with me thinking of it, it's like, okay, Lashley just beat Miz. Miz was like the prototypical transitional champion. You know, right. the the Iron Sheik, you know, <laughs> being the transitional champion from Backlund Hogan. So you think of like these transitional champions, Stan the Man, Stasiak, Ivan Koloff. Uh, you know, it's happened so many times through the years, all these transitional champions. Like, all right, they changed the belt so many times. Nowadays, it seems like, okay, it's a little bit less. Okay. They're, they're changing the ch- title transition. You go from McIntyre, Miz of the transition to Lashley. I don't know if you go immediately back to Drew. You know what I mean? I feel like right. Lashley should win, especially with this new entrance and everything else. I feel like you just had a transitional champion. I don't think Lashley should lose it yet. Yeah, it, uh, it, that's a tough one. And, and again, that's the fun, you know, is not knowing what they're thinking about that. Because Drew is the guy for the raw brand. You know, Lashley, can he be short-term? Yes. You know, And by short-term, I mean now through SummerSlam. Yeah, of course. But you don't want to damage McIntyre either. So they have to be very careful because I do think McIntyre is more of a long-term answer for them at the top of the card than Lashley is. But hopefully they'll be able to, you know, if they do keep the belt on Lashley, there's ways to do it that protect McIntyre. Their usual ways to do it involve outside interference or something. This is WrestleMania. That's not what people want. And so, I mean, if it was one match on a one-night WrestleMania card where you aren't headlining the show with it, then maybe you can get away with it. This is headlining one of the nights. It it has to be better than, well, MVP interfered. It's got to be something better than that. So they need to be very careful and come up and be very creative when it comes to how they have McIntyre lose if he does lose. This is going to be interesting to see how well they sell, you know, the tickets at WrestleMania too, because you don't have like the big names to rely on. And they're really just relying on WB during the pandemic. So I wonder if people are just going to be outright crazy and want to go to WrestleMania, or do you think this is going to be a tough sell for people to get out there and buy those tickets? Man, I mean, uh, in normal times, I would say they're going to be fine. They're going to sell a lot of, you know, whatever they put out there, they're going to sell. It's mania. It's not just the product. It's not just, the, you know, it's obviously the pandemic. Florida has been a free-for-all in a lot of ways because, of, you know, the, the way they their, their governor has, has done things. And so locally, I don't know that they're going to have the same – level of concern amongst the, you know, the average person, the average Joe that lives there, uh, they have already been more conditioned to going out and and living their lives. I don't know that you're going to get a traveling fan as much as you used to. Uh, And and it may not matter, you know, at 25,000 per night, I think most of the people who are going are going to want tickets to both nights. And so, I don't know how many of just one night only you're going to get. So I, I think they're going to be able to do it. Um, I think they'll be able to sell it. But yeah, I just, it's, it's different. It's unique because you're not, I, I just don't, I mean, I had a buddy who just, uh, he'd been so careful during the pandemic. He decided it was his daughter's senior year and he, and uh, him and his wife were going to go to take her to spring break. And of course they both ended up with COVID. And so, you know, when you're hearing stories like that, Everybody's different. I'm not telling anybody how they should feel, how they should live, but I personally, I just wouldn't feel comfortable going down there right now. That's just me, but you know, somebody else may feel completely different. I don't know. I do believe that UFC is actually um, retaining full capacity. Is it for, is it this month's event or is it next month? Yeah, Dana White's nuts. It's what? Yeah, he is. 
I mean, he's just, from this, the beginning with this, you know, he's uh, fortunately, I think his, his partners kind of made ESPN made him pull back. I mean, this guy just wanted to keep running and I, I don't know what happened to that guy, man. I, I, I remember meeting him the first time UFC ever ran a show in Las Vegas. Wade Keller and I from the torch had media passes and got to spend a lot of time with him. This was younger Dana who still had hair even. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and he was just this nice down to earth guy. And, you know, still kind of same Dana where he, uh, average average Joe, he wasn't afraid to drop an F-bomb or whatever, but he was so approachable and just so laid back and uh, so easy to talk with. And, and I did interview him again, uh, heading into uh, the Brock fight, um, his, his his second fight in UFC, the one here in Minneapolis. I went to an event and, I mean, he was a little more amped up, Dana, you know, and, and it was kind of fun to be in this room. It was like a uh, I don't know how many of us, probably six, seven different reporters, all kind of at a doing a roundtable discussion with him. And it was an event where it wasn't just UFC. I, I don't remember what the event was, but they had UFC was taking part. So Brock was there, Dana was there. And Dana just being Dana, you know, dropping F-bombs galore. And so you had these sports reporters that clearly weren't in some cases, you know, paying attention to UFC. And it was just fun to watch their reaction as this guy who's like the head of this major sports league is just dropping F-bombs galore. You could just tell like they were just squirming in their seats <laughs> and I'm just cracking up. And he was fun that day to see what he is now. I, I, I don't know what happened to the guy. I, I just, maybe this has always been there. I, I don't know. He just seems very reckless with this. And uh, again, to, to each his own. I feel like with a lot of this stuff too, it's they are so desperate. Like, oh, we're so desperate to get fans, so desperate to make money. Do you know? Do this, do that. But you do one false move or one false step, you can ruin everything. And then it's like if you don't have these protocols and stuff in place, you know, you're gonna screw. You're gonna screw WrestleMania up or, or UFC. You know, you're gonna oh, well, we're gonna do an empty, not an empty, but a closed arena, and we're gonna have full capacity. It's like, eh, nobody else is doing it. Why are you trying? You could. Uh, end up screwing you screwing the pooch on this. Yeah, I was really happy to see because there was talk that WWE was going to do forty five thousand each night, and yep. to me that's overkill. You know, again, everyone's different, but that's my take on it. I wouldn't have felt comfortable with them doing it. UFC to do it indoors, full capacity, no restrictions. Man, I mean, so many things can go wrong. And yeah, you can, if things go well for years, you'll be able to brag. We were the first to do it, but if things go wrong, boy, is that going to make, it's not just Dana White is going to look bad. It's the company. It's UFC that looks really bad. And I just don't think it's worth the risk. Me personally, I I wouldn't want to be first until, you know, if it was CDC saying all clear, go ahead. Well, that's different. That's not what's happening, you know? And for them to just to rush into this, it's it's risky. It's it's a real potential PR hit, and I don't. And, you know, you mentioned they all want to make money. They're all killing it. You know, think of the I money that yeah. WWE and UFC have made during the pandemic. They're killing it. They don't. This isn't. Boy, we desperately need the money. Not at all. It's funny though. They act like we just got to keep making more money, and like you guys are doing just fine <laughs> where you're at right now. Just relax and take it easy. You're actually maybe doing better than you normally would be doing it under normal circumstances. It seems like somehow. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the, the pay-per-view business has been killing it for UFC. I don't follow it closely. I've got my hands full with wrestling, but I mean, you know, we, we saw with WWE, they're one of their, their most profitable quarter of all time and all this. And so, yeah, money, it, it's not an issue. It, it, I mean, these, these billionaires are driven to make even more, but that's just how they're wired. It's never enough for them. But it, I mean, they need to look beyond just that, whatever the, the, the live gate is going to be and think of, well, if you want to make more money, maybe it's not worth damaging your company brand by having, you know, the, the whole mainstream media come down on you for running a super spreader. If, if that's what it turns out to be. As we hit the wind down and head towards the finish, Jason's always great to have you on Me and DKL. We're talking about this for who has the greatest voices, uh, Todd Martin, your your you know your your cohort, you know him very well. He's I got do. a great he's got a great voice. Pat McNeil, buddy of mine, uh, uh, definitely has a great voice. Sounds a little bit like Todd. And then we're saying you have a great voice. You guys all have these great radio voices. <laughs> I thought it was a, a bad question. I was talking about how you, Pat McNeil, and, and Todd Martin have the best voices in the game, and, and all of a sudden you disappear. I think that's my computer saying, like, no, you don't have a good voice. <laughs> What about those other guys? Though? They they do. They got a great voice. Todd, and who was who the other one? Pat McNeil. Pat McNeil. Yes, absolutely. Maybe is that because I started with the torch. Maybe that's a Wade thing that I just never realized. Like he's he's looking for the best voices. Yeah, think about it. You, Pat, and Todd all all are you know torch alums. Yeah, and have that like radio voice. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I know he's got uh, Mike McMahon over there as a very good radio voice as well. Well, I gotta check him out. And I know, obviously, we've talked about this before. I know Russo says you sound like you have marbles, you know, in your mouth. He does, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, come on, you got a great voice. He doesn't say that anymore. Thank God. No. <laughs> have you talked to him after we did that interview, Jason? You know, he reached out about something, and and I was unable to, to deliver for him. But then I heard through the grapevine that he re- was able to reach the person he was trying to reach. And I wished him a happy birthday. I never heard back from him. So, I, no, we just, we really haven't. But, you know, I don't think there's any heat or anything. No, no. Oh, interesting. Damn. No, he's a so big much- fan of you, Jason. He he mentions you fairly frequently now. Um, what, <laughs> nice. what they say about you is, is that you know how to, um, how to have a laugh at yourself and how to just, you know, enjoy it and not take yourself too seriously. That's. You know he he loves that they they put you over regularly. They've also played some good clips. Oh, that's very he nice. He even to hear. has one of your clips on his roadcaster. I think it's what was it the one about? Um, yeah, I think he played it for me. Popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, the backstory and the yeah, it was so our movie theater was remodeled up here, and like they just had kind of a basic setup for the longest time. The guy sold and they brought in one of the, the big chains. And so they overhaul everything. And it used to just, they used to have really good popcorn. Well, now you go there and they got like three, four different kinds with all these flavors. I, I just want a fucking bucket of popcorn. I, I don't want to have to sit here and choose. It, it was like this three-step process just to get a bucket of popcorn. Oh, God, help God help you's over there because the food is just. I think I'd be dead within a year if I was over <laughs> in the states. Because every every corner you look at, well, not right now, but in normal times, every corner you turn to is either a Dunkin' Donuts or a McDonald's or 
some nice pizza place. It's just oh my god, you you. It's like you live in my town. The only thing we have in my town, like the actual town, is a Dunkin' Donuts, a McDonald's, and about twenty five pizza places. <laughs> we have nothing else. We keep waiting. We, we didn't have McDonald's for the longest time, and once they arrived, it's like okay, this opens the floodgates. Here comes everybody else. We we did get a Jersey Mike's. That's right. We finally got that. So we have a little bit of variety. But like, bring on Chipotle. Come on. Well, I think that people all missed it because I believe there's a Siam Thai restaurant opening in New York City now. I think it's in the, I think it's close to where uh, WWE New York used to be. Oh, okay. And that's a really, really good place. They have it over here and I believe they're opening up over there. So they're quite lucky because the, the Asian food, some of it is actually quite good for you, even though it's very, very tasty. <laughs> nice. Now, DKO, I know you had one final great question for Jason. Okay, so Jason, what is your overall perception of the attitude that some people have towards wrestling journalists, as in not seeing them as experts because they've never worked in the business and sometimes making fun of them, etc.? Where do you stand on that? How do you, how do you feel you're perceived overall? So, I, I mean, when it comes to my perception, I, you know, I, I say it a lot. Teach his own. If you like me, great. You don't like me, that's fine too. Uh, whatever. You can't. There's some people you can't win over. You just go out there and do your best job. And I think as long as you do that and you do it honestly, I think you're going to have people who will appreciate what you do. Do I consider myself to be an expert? No, I don't. Uh, you know, I, do I can? You know, the, the whole thing about you put so many hours in, you become an expert. I guess if any, I'm an expert at running a pro wrestling website. Do I feel like I'm an expert on the pro wrestling industry? No, I'm a guy with an opinion and I've, I've watched a lot of wrestling over the years. I've never been in a wrestling match in my life. So at the same time, there are NFL writers and commentators who, well, I guess the commentators have for the most part played, but there are a lot of respected sports journalists who didn't play the game at a professional level. And so are you, are they considered experts or pick your sport? Um, a person who's never directed a movie. Well, they can be considered an expert on movies. It's overall, but they haven't directed. So, I mean, it's, it's just, I, again, I just don't worry about it. If people want to poke fun, poke fun. If people respect what I do, that's awesome. You know, obviously you want to be liked, you want to be respected, but I learned a long time ago, you can't make everybody like you. So don't try, just do the best job you can do. That's why I've had so many positive things to say about you, Jason, because you give your overall opinion. You are, I don't think you're ever biased. I don't think you ever try to pull someone in one direction or the other. I just think you speak it as you see it. And I, and not that there's something wrong with someone that doesn't know how to do this, but you're also very good at just kind of, you know, sitting back and just say, hey, you know what, I, I do this. But at the same time, I don't take myself too seriously. And I, I don't consider myself to be this, this might of the business. You know, I just... I just think you, you do something you enjoy. I think you do it to the best of your ability. And I think that you, you do your best to give people their money's worth. And that's why, to me, apart from the great speaking voice you have, I just think 
I just think you're one of those people that should be admired. As a matter of fact, it was, of all people, the Disco Inferno that has put you over heavily. Numerous times he has said that he reads your reports and he was telling Vince Russo that for years, I believe. Yeah, he has been really complimentary with that over the years. And I, I like Glenn a lot. I really appreciate that. And we actually, we kind of bonded over fantasy football. Um, I When I left the torch, I worked at fanball.com for uh, like four or five years and covered fantasy, you know, fantasy football primarily, but also some fantasy hockey. And Glenn is a big fantasy football nut. And so he would reach out occasionally about that. We'd, we'd barely talk about wrestling, but he'd want to know, like, hey, who do you think, who's your, who are your sleepers this year, that sort of a thing. So we kind of bonded over that more than anything. But um, good guy. And, and I get the biggest kick out of him just healing on people and how many people just – buy it <laughs> believe that he's you know if he's out there trolling oh my god do they bite <laughs> and it's just so funny to watch like people you you watch the wrestling business and you're letting a wrestler work you and you're getting just working yourself into a frenzy well you know he's just sitting back laughing his ass off absolutely unfortunately though jason sometimes he does go slightly over the top Oh, not Disco. Come on now. Never. He would well, never do such a thing. <laughs> if you listen to Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Disco, it's, it can be quite comical at times. <laughs> it's, but I have to say the relationship, the on, on-air relationship between him and Vince Russo can be very, very, very funny. Yeah, and he's really good on Conan's show, too. You know, Disco is definitely, I, I think he's like tailor-made for podcasting in a lot of ways. He is. I, I listen to K100 now, too, and it's it, that can be quite funny. The disco list each week is very funny. <laughs> it's just... I, uh, I have made that list before, unfortunately. I have. He has condemned me before. Uh-oh. Then you can consider yep. yourself over, JP. Yep, exactly. Me and Nick Aldis got uh, condemned in the same sentence or the same week because we liked some podcast that he does not like. <laughs> <laughs> We and can't do that. And he said oh, he's that we're just jealous of who Nick Aldis goes out with. That's all. I guess, but it was just, uh, it just was funny as hell. I was like, yes, this is awesome. I'm over. Uh, you know, uh, Disco mentioned me. Yes. <laughs> that was my dream was always to make uh, the honky tonk man's ass whooping list, and I never did. <laughs> Good point. That, uh, some uh, great stuff to be a part of, uh, for sure. Honky tonk man, one of those guys that I wish he would kind of pop back up. He hasn't been doing anything wrestling related. I wish he would do a podcast or something. I don't know. I feel like I'm missing out on honky tonk man. Yeah, I, I guess he has kept kind of a low profile lately, hasn't he? I, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know that I've heard much of anything you know, publicly since his Hall of Fame. And he didn't, I mean, he did autograph signings for years. In the last, I'd say, two years or so, he hasn't done them. So I don't know what he's doing. Obviously, last year we know why. But the year before, nobody knows why he wasn't interested in doing them. Hopefully dining and dashing somewhere. Yes. Now, before we let you go, please tell us everything going on with ProWrestling.net. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's always something going on. So if you need a news fix, we got you covered. You want to know, you know, keep up on the daily news. We'll, we cover that. If you are watching a television show, pro wrestling related, there's a good chance that we're covering it live. And if we're not covering it live, we'll have a review up shortly after the show. If you're cover, if you're watching a pay-per-view or maybe you're not watching a show or a pay-per-view, know that you can follow along with our coverage. I mentioned earlier that 
we'll have live coverage uh, and it's a review. It's not just a straight who beat who. I give my opinions just as my staff does on everything instantly. Uh, so NWA show, maybe you're watching, maybe you're not. We'll have you covered with that. Same thing with WWE Fastlane. Same thing with uh, tonight with the SmackDown, Raw, you name it. Wednesday, both Wednesday night shows, we've got coverage going on. You want to take it a step further? We have a ton of audio content available for our members. Reviews of all the major television shows. The .NET Weekly Audio Show that I co-host with Jake Barnett, where we discuss all the news of the week and sometimes include some first-run news nuggets. And then uh, my Q&A audio show is always fun. That's the one that usually ends up, I think, on uh, Vince Russo's show. Yes, yes. It's uh, pro wrestling questions to start, and then God knows what they'll ask me for the non-wrestling questions at the end. And that one's always a good time. Uh, if you're interested, just uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Pro Wrestling Net. Just leave the dot out of that one. And uh, if you want to go right to becoming a .NET member, uh, I mean, you can either find it on the main page of ProWrestling.net or go right to PWMembership.net. Awesome stuff, as always, from Jason. One of my favorite guests, easily. DKO, before we go, please give your uh, social media plugs as well. You'll catch me on Twitter, at Derek O'Reilly13, and at Twitch, at DKO1988. Awesome. I'd like to thank Jason so much for all the time today. Really appreciate it, and uh, can't wait to get you back on the show. Yeah, and, and next time I will make sure I plug in the laptop before I do it. <laughs> no problem thank you so much really appreciate it thanks guys this has been a john pause power trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling you could follow us on instagram and twitter at two-man power trip you can check us out on facebook you could subscribe on youtube you can go to patreon.com slash tmpt empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com two-man power trip where the power lies brother <laughs>